Sure. Praise the Lord. Wonderful. Listen, if we don't believe that God can still do something, then what are we doing? And uh, don't, don't tell me that, that God can't do it today. I still believe he can. That's the God that we serve. I have been graciously hosted over the past few days and thankful for Pastor and Mrs. Miller and uh, Victory Baptist Church down in Atwater. And uh, we've had a wonderful time over the weekend. And uh, thank you, preacher, for allowing us to be able to be here this evening. And uh, Brother Cranston, we're so thankful. I think we gave him shell shock um, when we said, hey, let's do something in New Hampshire. And then that database uh, had to add 400 representatives to it. And uh, New Hampshire is a little different. You can say amen right there, okay? And uh, we're a little different. Uh, It is a people's house um, up in New Hampshire. So we have 400 representatives. And uh, so our session goes from January to June. And um, our session day is usually on Thursdays. Tuesday and Wednesdays will be our committee meetings. And every one of our representatives gets $100 a year. And uh, so that's what they get. And uh, so it's $100 a year. Our senators, we have 24 senators, and uh, they get $100. But it's really being the president of the Senate and the Speaker of the House where you get the big money and uh, you get 250 a year. And uh, that's in our state constitution. That, uh, that's there. It's a people's house. Every two years is elections. And so it is a constant turnover. But you'll have grandmothers. Uh, you'll have business owners, you'll have stay-at-home moms, and uh, so we're thankful. It was a little over eight years ago that we were put in contact with a representative that had had a prayer meeting with some of the reps, and they would get together, and they had put out the word desiring for a pastor to be able to come in and organize it and be able to keep the structure, and so we received a phone call. We just started our church uh, back in, we started having services in September of 13, and uh, officially charted and started the church in November of 13, and uh, so we just started. We're ten and a half years old now, approximately. And our church is in Concord, our capital city. We live in Concord, and uh, our capital's there, and I believe that's my state house. And uh, it's my city, and it's my state house, and so our representatives don't have offices, so it's a little harder to be able to get in touch with them. And uh, they have a mail slot behind closed doors, so I can't even put an invite in there. And uh, just a little bit different. And, uh, but we're thankful we started going to that capital and uh, holding some Bible studies, some prayer meetings, and uh, being able to, uh, Lord willing, disciple them. And uh, we do have two representatives that are members of our church there in Concord. Another one has recently started coming to the church, and uh, we're thankful for that influence. And, uh, but God has been blessing. We just changed our Bible study and prayer time uh, to a lunchtime. And our ministry there is a ministry of our local church, Granite State Baptist Church. And uh, so on Thursdays now, whenever they have session, um, our church actually provides a lunch. And uh, we take it down to the state house. We have a room that's been reserved and set aside for us. And uh, so this past Thursday, uh, we had 18 representatives that were there. And uh, we had between 45, 50 minutes with them to be able to eat. And then they sat there while we went through the Bible study together. And uh, this past Thursday, we were in Psalm chapter number 1. And uh, I entitled it, uh, Happiness Based Upon Associations. And uh, took them through Psalm 1. And uh, spent the time with them. And it's amazing how God just puts people in place. And uh, one lady was sitting there and stayed afterwards. And session started back. And, and uh, she stood there just talking. And, and uh, how she's going through things. Put her kids in a Christian school, so-called. And uh, she said, there's more stuff going on in that Christian school. She said, than there was in the public school where I took him out of. And uh, she said, I'm driving 45 minutes. And, and uh, so found out where she was from, and I said, there's a Christian school, Pastor Bell, right across the line in uh, Sanford, Maine. I said, one of his deacons lives in your town. And uh, I said, drives across the line to church, and I told her about it. She said, you know, she said, I was so discouraged this morning. She said, I I almost didn't even come to lunch and Bible study this afternoon. 
And uh, she said, I'm so glad I came now. She said, God so helped my spirit. And uh, so we're just getting started. Our church has had the burden, and um, we've had the burden. We've been doing the work, but uh, we found out this. Hey, listen, boy, it's hard to get Baptists riled up about anything and uh, be able to get them involved. And uh, so we're trying to stir up the Baptist in New Hampshire and uh, be able to get them involved and let them be a part of it. And so just this past year, we started Granite State Baptist for Biblical Values. And uh, my son is full-time on staff with us there at our church. And uh, he's doing a tremendous job and uh, thankful for how God's using him and uh, to be able to keep this moving forward. And I want to say this, I'm, I'm thankful for every one of you pastors and churches and uh, that are standing firm. I will say that we don't come out here and, and, uh, and even back home, we don't joke about California. And uh, I know there's churches out here and I know there's pastors and there are faithful Christians that uh, you're holding the rope out here. And uh, we are so thankful for it. And you're laboring in your corner of the vineyard. And, uh, and we're laboring in our corner of the vineyard. You keep working our direction. We'll keep working your direction. And um, maybe we'll meet in the middle somewhere. But uh, God's been so good to us. And uh, can you imagine, I mean, God's allowing us to be a part of an eternal work. And uh, the souls of men weigh in the balance. And uh, I was challenged years ago. As you start looking in the scriptures, and uh, I, know, I know there's people out there, and there's pastors and churches, and I guess you wouldn't be here if you didn't believe that it was worth doing, but I know there's some out there that say we ought not to be involved in this. And, uh, hey, listen, we could start talking about all the Baptist preachers that influenced the writing of our documents. And uh, I won't go in and tell you all the Bostonians and, and uh, maniacs and everybody that was involved in all of that. But uh, we're thankful for it. I believe pastors, churches ought to be involved. We ought to have our voice heard. And uh, at, people ask me all the time, they said, do you preach politics from the pulpit? I said, absolutely not. I said, but every one of these are moral issues and they're Bible issues. And uh, I said, before politics got a hold of it, I said, we, we preached it all the time. And I said, because they're Bible issues. And I said, if we're preaching the whole counsel of God, I said, we're going to be preaching what the Bible says. And uh, I said, if we just faithful to preach the Bible, I said, all these subject matters are going to be taken care of and encourage our people to go vote according to the Bible. And uh, so it's amazing. Spend some time studying through the book of Acts and uh, see how many of the individual conversion accounts that we have through the book of Acts are actually political leaders. See where the Apostle Paul went in his ministry. That's why he could close out a book and be able to say the household of Caesar salutes you. You know why that is? Because he went after him. And uh, I believe when he got in town, he went to the highest court he possibly could and started sharing the gospel. And he could stand before governors, stand before kings, and uh, God just allowed him to be able to have that influence. And so listen, I'm for you. And uh, I'm being challenged while I'm out here and uh, more on the, the local level. My, I've never shaken hands with my mayor. We just got a new mayor that was just coming into office in the past four weeks. And uh, he doesn't even know our name yet in our church. And I said, sad. And I said, I need to be down there. And uh, so listen, I'm for you. I'm excited for what God's doing. I can't wait for tomorrow and uh, to be able to get inside the Capitol and uh, see what God's going to do. And uh, so we're praying for you. I got some of my people right now that are live streaming. We live streaming the service right now. And so we got some of my people that are live streaming, staying up late on the East Coast. And uh, they're watching the service take place. And uh, we're thankful for it. Amen. And uh, so I say do all you can. Let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, and turn over to 2 Kings chapter number 7. 2 Kings chapter number 7, and while you're turning there, if you want to stand, stretch your legs. We're going to read the scriptures uh, here in just a moment, but uh, it is good to be able to have my wife here with me, and uh, she made the sausage stew for us to be able to take down to the Capitol this past Thursday, and uh, what a wonderful time that we were able to be able to have there, and uh, thank you for all that you're doing, Pastor Brown here, and, and um, boy, going into the Capitol here on a regular basis, what a blessing. And uh, I'm so thankful. And uh, listen, stay with it. It's worth it. It's worth it. 
least let them know that there's someone that's trying to listen if all you do if all you do is go in there and say hey I'm praying for you number one question I get asked when I walk inside of our state capitol is uh, if all these pastors and churches are for us then where are they and it is amazing what it does just to go in and, and have your face known and uh, let them know that you're there. And uh, they do think we have a third eyeball. They think we got an extra arm coming out of our stomach. And uh, they, ju- they just think we're, we're weird. But when they find out that we're people too. And uh, we just love Jesus. And, uh, and so we love them. And uh, we're thankful for it. And so Second Kings chapter 7. I just want to read the first four verses. And then we'll preach through this passage of scripture here. For a few moments uh, this evening, Second Kings 7, verse number 1, the Bible says, Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? If he would have just known his Bible up till that point, he would have known there's windows in heaven. They opened up when the flood took place. And uh, I won't get into this, but I believe there's at least three times, maybe four, that the windows of heaven are mentioned throughout the Bible. One of the times is here. And we preach on it with tithe in Malachi chapter 3. See if he'll not open the windows of heaven. Back in Genesis, the windows of heaven were opened at the flood. And listen, every time the windows of heaven are opened, the earth can't contain what's coming out. The Bible says that, okay? If there were windows in heaven. Well, little did he know what was taking place. And he said, talking about Elisha, verse 2, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, and shalt not eat thereof. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come, and let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. That was their options. That was their options. I love how the Bible puts that. They're having a conversation with themselves. If we sit here, we're going to die. If we go into the city, we're going to die. Might as well go to the enemies. If they kill us, we die. That's their only hope. But they ask that question, why sit we here till we die? And I've been praying over the past several months and weeks as we were standing before you for this evening, I want to preach a simple thought out of this passage of Scripture on this subject matter, when you just can't sit by. When you just can't sit by. Let's have a word of prayer, then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for the Word of God. Lord, I'm thankful that the gospel still works. And I'm thankful that, Lord, it's good for the king, it's good for the president, it's good for the governor, Lord, it's good for the man or the woman that's walking along the street tonight, that the gospel changes lives. And Lord, there's times that we come to in our lives that we understand the situation that's around us, and we just can't sit by any longer. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you challenge our hearts tonight. Lord, perhaps to get off the sidelines, to perhaps encourage others to get in. And Lord, that you do that work that only you can do, because Lord, I know that in and of me, I can't do it. But Lord, I can give you what you've placed upon my heart tonight. And Lord, we'll thank you for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. We understand the context of Scripture. I'll make mention of a few things as we look down through here. I've often wondered at this 
passage of scripture as I've read down through here of the subject matter and then these four lepers that God is going to be using throughout chapter number 7 to be able to provide one of the greatest miracles, I believe, as we look throughout the Old Testament. And they come to that point and they ask that question, why sit we here until we die? And we could understand as we look through the passage of Scripture that, well, they were coming to the point that they had no hope. They had nothing to be able to look forward to. And I want to share a few thoughts that God helped me with. And I told the church this weekend down in Atwater that I am just a a believer in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that God is able to do it. You say, do what? Whatever he desires to do. And uh, I'm all for, listen... If a young preacher gets something in their heart and uh, get a pioneering spirit and just get out there and just with the promise and the word of God, get out there and just believe God's going to do it. And uh, I love one of my favorite passages in the New Testament is Acts chapter 28 where uh, Paul steps up there on the deck of the ship and he said, sirs, I believe God. And what God had said, he was just going to accomplish it. And uh, I won't preach tonight that I just believe we need an old-fashioned revival of just believing God. That God said he'd do it, and God is able to do it, and that God will accomplish that which he desires. And God put something in our hearts ten and a half years ago, be able to move from Cleveland, Tennessee, up to Concord, New Hampshire, just believing that God's going to do something. We'd seen him do it for years. And listen, that's what's uniting tonight and tomorrow morning as we walk inside the Capitol. Listen, I'm not walking in discouraged and just saying, ah, this is just a waste of time. I'm walking in saying, hey, there's a God in heaven that is able to be able to do it. Does your Bible still say that the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord? And as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will? Who could tell that a governor that would sign every other piece of wicked legislation would veto seven of them? You say, I'd never imagine that. Hey, we've got an R for a governor uh, back there in New Hampshire. And listen, if a bill was put on his desk right now, he'd take abortion back to 40 weeks. He'd be the only Republican governor in the country that would take abortion that way instead of more conservative way. He said he'd do it. Put it on my desk. I'll sign it. It's a constant fight that's taking place. Now we come to 2 Kings chapter number 7. And for the sake of time, I'll move on through these. But I want you to see, first of all, the depravity of the actions of the people. Now we didn't read all of chapter number 6, but we do understand that Samaria is actually surrounded and besieged by Syria. It tells us back in chapter number 6 and verse number 24 says it came to pass after this that Ben-Hadad king of Syria gathered all his hosts and went up and besieged Samaria. And there was a great famine in Samaria and behold they besieged it until an ass's head was sold for four score pieces of silver and a fourth part of a cab of dove's dung for five pieces of silver. How many got to eat supper tonight over next door in that beautiful fellowship hall? Did you get to eat supper? Aren't you glad that they didn't put out there and say, bless God, we're having donkey's head and dove manure for a garnish tonight. I mean, what a blessing that would have been. I would have hate. no, I would have said I'm fasting. I don't eat before I get up to preach anyway. And, uh, but listen, the depravity of what is taking place here, the actions of the people, they're surrounded by Ben-Hadad, king of area and down towards the end of the chapter it actually gets so bad that you have women that are making an agreement and they're saying hey why don't we boil your child and eat your child today and tomorrow we'll boil and eat my child You say, oh, that's reprehensible on what's taking place. Hey, listen, it's not that much different than what's taking place across America tonight. And uh, the sin and the depravity of man that is across our nation. And they are surrounded. They are oppressed. They are in bondage to the leaders and the sin that is taking place. And then, of course, as any mother's heart would come back around, they do kill one of the children and eat 
them. And then the next day, the woman is saying, no, we're not going to do that. Makes it all the way to the king. Makes it all the way to the man of God also. And he puts sackcloth and ashes on and says, what have we come to in our city that we are to this point? Have you ever sat back and listen, don't do it too often. doesn't matter what news outlet you watch, you will get discouraged. When you start seeing the condition of what is taking place. Now listen, I did not come out here to just be all doom and gloom in California because, listen, it's just as wicked in New Hampshire as it is. I told the church, I said, you know why you're abounding with sin in California more than what we're abounding with sin in New Hampshire? is because you have 30 times more people and 30 times more sinners in California than what we have in New Hampshire. you got 40 million people out here. We got 1.3. Honestly, your cities are bigger. Our fifth largest, we were talking about a church plant earlier in the city of Keene, New Hampshire. Fifth largest city in our state, 25,000 people. Fifth largest city. Now I know, we look at the, the scale of that, but I say, listen, I said sin is sin. And I said, Jesus can take care of all of that. And we look in Second Kings chapter number 6 and we see this depravity of the actions of the people that is taking place. But you know, right at the beginning of chapter number 7 where we started reading in the midst of the depravity of their actions and it going all the way to the king, we have the declaration from the man of God. And Elisha steps up. And boy, don't you love Elisha in the Bible? I mean, he was a man of prayer. Wouldn't that be a blessing? You come to the end of your life and a few thousand years later, that's what you're reminded about. It was not Elisha and Elijah. Boy, they were, they were subject to passions like we are, Elijah was. But he was a man of prayer. That's what they were known for. And Elisha steps up in verse number 1. And he says, I want you to hear the word of the Lord. Can I tell you, in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation, there still needs to be a preacher? There still needs to be someone that is willing to stand up and listen. Here's what he said. Thus saith the Lord. Not thus saith Peter Chamberlain. Not thus saith Brother Cranston. Not thus saith such and such a pastor. Thus saith the Lord. And here's the declaration of the man of God. In the wickedness and the perverseness and the depravity of the actions that are taking place in Samaria. He says, listen, I want you all to know that there's a better day that's coming. Now, listen, there's some across our nation that if they were to be watching this service tonight, they'd be saying, yeah, sure there is, preacher. We're just going to hold on till the end. We're just going to endure till the end. We're just going to occupy, and that means my four and no more. And we're just sitting off to the side, and listen, we're just going to hold on and batten down the hatches until Jesus comes. And then a preacher stands up and says, hold on, there's a better day coming. And he steps out, listen, and the only authority he has is the word of the Lord. And proclaims the word of the Lord. And I see this take place. But then here's what I want you to see. Here this man steps up in verse number 2. And I, this could have discouraged Elisha at this point. When this man, who was very close to the king, in fact, he says it's the one whom the, the arm of the king, the hand of the king, leaned upon. In other words, his right-hand man steps up and says, Huh, you think so? If the Lord were to make windows in heaven, might this thing be? 
Can I remind you that not only with the depravity that has taken place and the man of God, and here's what's taking place this week, is there are men and women of God that are stepping up and saying, Thus saith the Lord that there will be doubters. And can I remind you of this, that doubters never do deliver. They never do. Never do. You ever had people, hey, you've just got it in your heart to do something for the cause of Christ, and they sit off to the side and say, yeah, we'll see if that happens. Hey, where do you think the term, the proof's in the pudding, came from? Because they said, hey, we'll just wait and see what the result is. Now listen, there's going to be those. Don't get discouraged by it. Now listen, don't get defeated by it. That God put something in your heart and says, listen, we're going to go take Sacramento for the cause of Christ. And those that will sit back, some of your closest friends may sit back and say, ah, they're too far gone. Oh, we can't do anything. There's no sense going and even talking to that crowd up there. Oh, it'd just have to be a miracle. Man, God would just have to open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. Well, guess what? I'm thankful there are windows in heaven. And boy, I'm thankful that there's a God. And according to Chronicles, his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Now listen, the doubters are going to come. They're going to hear what's taking place and they're going to say, ah, listen, there, there no hope. Hey, I, I still believe that God can save sinners. Amen. Hey, I still believe. I've read the testimonies. There was a man who got saved here in the in this great state of California back in the, uh, I believe it was back in the early 1950s. His name was Louis Zamperini. Some of you may have heard of him. He actually walked into a Billy Graham crusade under a tent. And he said, I went with my wife the second night. And he said, she had told that preacher everything about me. He said, and the thousands of people. He said, sitting underneath that tent, he said, he preached at me the entire time. He said, looking right at me. This man was a World War II veteran. Got shot down in the South Pacific became a prisoner of war over in Japan, got out of Japan after the, the winning of the war and went to the Philippines, got strengthened back up for a couple months, landed back in the States here, become a drunk after getting married and just was wasting his life away. God saved his soul that night. And he started traveling, speaking in churches, and he'd give his testimony. And his testimony was entitled, Devil at My Heels. And he said, I'd speak on that the first night. The second night, he said, I'd speak on the dangers of communism in modern-day Japan. He said, I got invited to go down to a little church in Havana, Cuba. And he said, I went down to this little Baptist church in Havana, Cuba. He said, I spoke for a couple nights. He said, gave my testimony the first night, spoke on communism the second night. He said, we were standing outside. This is his own words in his biography. He said, we're standing outside talking with the pastor. He said, on the sidewalk, and here comes a young bearded man walking across the street. He said, the pastor stepped out, met him there in the middle of the street, talked for a few minutes. That young man went his way. Pastor come back over, and he, he said, who is that preacher? He said, ah, he said, he's a young revolutionary in our country. He said, didn't really appreciate your comments about communism. He said the man's name was Fidel Castro. He said in a few years later, he said he took over Cuba. And he said, I'll never forget that God even gave him an opportunity. Is how he wrote it. God gave him an opportunity to hear the gospel. And he said, God used me to be able to give it to him. Hey, listen, there's going to be doubters that step up and they'll say, hey, that's not going to happen. The man of God's going to give the message and say, hey, we're praying for our assembly people. We're praying for our senators. We're praying for our governor. We're praying for God to be able to save their souls. Hey, that's just a wasted prayer. Why would you be spending time on that? Hey, let the doubters doubt. Because the doubters never delivered. 
And here this man steps up and looks at Elisha. He said, yeah, we'll see. Starts mocking the message. Do not be detoured by the doubters. Do not be detoured by the doubters. Every great work of God has had those that stand off to the side and say, we'll see. I just talked to a man. We have the, uh, the Republican um, Executive Committee, the New Hampshire GOP, um, the Executive Committee. Um, we only have 10 counties as opposed to 58 um, here in California. But uh, all the county chairmen and uh, all of them are involved in the, in the they, they come to our church and they actually use our church for their board meeting every month. And uh, so here in a couple weeks, I'll be there. The entire board will come. We'll sit there and talk. And I started talking to some of them, and they were talking about what they were trying to do. And I took them over to Nehemiah. And I said, you understand when God was desiring to build something and build those walls, I said, it's amazing the opposition and the doubters that came out of the woodwork with someone just saying, this is what God's put upon my heart. And listen, it'll be those that you, you never thought would be doubting. It'd be those, they, they stepped up to Nehemiah and say, what are you doing? I mean, you're never going to be able to build those walls back. And then they said, hey, it's going to be so weak anyway that if a fox comes up there, it's just going to push the wall over. And then they knew their words didn't start working. And so then they started writing letters. Boy, not much has changed, has it? You pastored for years, you understand. (laughs) Hey, this isn't going to work. Let's spread the news that they're crazy. That's not going to work. They're trying to build something. It's just going to be defeated. Hey, let's just start writing letters to everybody. Doubters will doubt and they never deliver. So let them doubt and don't get distracted or defeated by the doubters. Man of God said, you're going to see it, but you're not going to be able to partake. And the doubters step up. They will always be around. Don't get distracted. But then I want you to see, and let's get down to these four leprous men. Starting in verse number three. Boy, isn't it amazing that God will use the most unlikely person. You say, how do you know that? You're looking at one. And I'm saying, God, here it is. And so all this is taking place inside the city of Samaria. And now something's taking place outside the city of Samaria. You know, God can work in more places than once. He can work. There were four leprous men. And I've entitled this part as we start looking at it, The Decision of the Dying Men. And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? They're having a conversation amongst themselves. Sounds like a bunch of Baptists. They've identified the problem. How many have ever sat around with a bunch of Baptists and identified the problems? In fact, I believe you give us enough time, we can identify the problems of the world. I can't say we can solve all of them. But I'm saying we can identify them and we can talk about them. And they sat down and they said, here's the problem. We're dying. Here's the problem. We go back into the city. There's a famine. We're going to die. We sit here. We got leprosy. We're going to die. We can go throw ourselves on the mercy of the Syrians. So if they kill us, We but die. So we die, we die, or we die. What's the choices? But the decision of the dying men, sit here and die, or do something and die. I wonder which one we'll choose in our lives. You understand where these four men are sitting. We could almost make application to sitting in America tonight. And we can sit back and we can say, look at everything that's going on and there is no hope. 
If we sit in our churches, our churches are just going to wither. Well, if we go out there, we don't know if they're going to want to listen to us or not. How many have ever heard that the gospel doesn't work? There's no sense taking the gospel out there. People don't want to hear it anyway. I was told that when I moved up to Concord, New Hampshire. You know, you're going up there, that's just the graveyard of preachers. You know, people go up there, they're the, they're the frozen chosen. At least I'm chosen. That's another message. Hey, I'm saying, we might as well go and do something. Who can tell? At least there's a possibility if we get up from where we're sitting and go try to do something that God may just show up and work. Because it's not on us anyway. The decision of dying men. Now listen, we can sit around all day long and say, here's the problem with Sacramento. I can sit around and say, here's the problem with Concord. We can sit around and say, here's the problem with Washington. Or we can decide, are we going to try to do something about it? Why sit we here till we die? If we're going to die anyway, do you know who for a while held the strikeout record in Major League Baseball? Somebody said it? Babe Ruth. The home run king. Hey, listen. Every time he gets up, he's swinging for the fence. Well, guess what? You're going to miss sometimes. But every once in a while, you're going to connect. And every once in a while, you're going to hit it out of the ballpark. And I'm saying, listen, there's doubters and scoffers that'll sit off to the side. But listen, I'm not just going to sit there with them. I'm at least going to try to do something. And at least get up from where I'm at and say, listen, I said it down there at the church in relation to another message. One old time preacher said, you may think I'm doing it wrong, but I like my wrong way of doing it better than your no way of doing it. And at least we're going to do something to try to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Now listen, are mistakes going to be made? Sure. Sure, we've walked in. Hey, I've called them the wrong names. I've called them senator when they're representative. I've called them this. I've called. Hey, listen, we mess up on all of it. But I'm saying at least we're trying to do something. Hey, at least we're not just sitting here until we die. And there's a decision that's got to be made. And oh, what a blessing it is. Because we come down for the rest of this chapter and we see the deliverance that was demonstrated. Now listen, here's here's what God did. You have four leprous men. I I don't want to say they're they're Baptist preachers. Some would sit back and say, you saying we're a bunch of lepers? Nobody wants to be around us, that may be. (laughs) I mean, it may may be something there. Hey, listen, I'm just saying what, what, what the world would look at and say, God used them? They're the ones that are making a difference. They're the ones that are making an impact. And the four men get up from where they're at and start heading towards the Syrian camp. And listen, we can read the rest of the story. They show up in camp and there's not one person of opposition that's there. Not one. Not one. But I want you to see something. I want you to see because God showed me this a while back as I looked at it. And the deliverance that was there when the decision is made. Verse number 5. I want you to see this. The Bible says, And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of the Syrians. They came to the uttermost part. No man was there. We read that. Bible says this, verse 6, For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. 
And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired us against us, the king of the Hittites and the king of the Egyptians, to come upon us. All it was was four lepers. And in their ears, the armies of the Hittites are riding against the camp. But I want you to see this now. Hold on. Next verse. Verse 7. I love this. Wherefore, they arose and fled. When? In the twilight. Do you understand back in verse number 5? That's when the lepers made the decision to get up and do something. And when they get up to start going, God's working on the other side. Saying, hey, you hear that? Man, there's, a, there's an army that's coming here. No, it's four lepers that said we're not just going to sit here and do nothing. At least we can get up. At least we can start going that direction to be able to cast ourselves on the mercy of them. And maybe something can be accomplished. I found out this and you know it too. Boy, when we start moving, God's already moving on the other end. You know what's taking place? Hey, I've already started praying. I'm praying that over tonight, wouldn't it be a blessing if God just starts stirring around Sacramento, wherever those assembly people are and those senators are laying tonight and start stirring in their soul and a preacher walks in there tomorrow and says, hey, I just wanted to come and pray for you. You know, I was up all night long you say oh I don't know if that can happen boy who's the God that you serve anyway who's the God listen we start moving and you say boy we're not many hey I don't know how many Baptist churches there are across California I have no idea but it was saying maybe 20 or 25 represented coming in here tonight. I said, that'd almost be the whole state of New Hampshire. I said, if we got them all together, had 25 Baptist preachers there. I said, listen, what God's able to do, if we'll just get to the point, you say, I'm not much. No, but you might not even be as bad as a leper. You understand they're probably on crutches. You understand their feet are probably bandaged up. They're not even stomping their way there. But here's God already working on the other side. And all they had to do was walk in the camp because God had already prepared the soil. God had already taken care of it. You know, there comes a time when we just can't sit by anymore. And we're sitting there saying, listen, we can watch our country. We can watch our state. We can watch our county. And it's going down the tubes as fast as it possibly can. And we can sit by and say, what are we going to do about it? There's no use in it. Or we can say, hey, it's still going down whether I do anything or not. So I might as well step out. I might as well at least try to do something about it. And if I can snatch one of them out of there on the way by, then we've made a difference. Now listen, we live in a society and you can look around and see all that's taken place. And we have decisions that we must make. We can stay locked up inside the city and say we're surrounded, there's nothing that we can do. We can sit outside the city and we can die and we can just perish Or we can decide that we can't just sit by any longer. And we can get up and go do something about it. You know, I was also reading this past week in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we won't turn over there this evening. But in 1 Samuel chapter 14, you have King Saul, and he's sitting in the shade underneath the tree. And Jonathan and his armor bearer, they say there's this group of Philistines up here on the hill. Come on, armor bearer. We're just going to go see. And I've been praying this thing through. And God will let us know. He'll reveal himself to us, but here's what he said. It may be. (laughs) I have been hung up on those three words for the past three weeks. 
it may be. And that's in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse number 6. Jonathan said to the armor bearer, it may be. Who can tell? It may be that we get out there. And here's what Jonathan said. It may be that the Lord will work for us. <laughs> oh, isn't that why we go? We know it's not us. It may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint to the Lord. To save by many or by few. You say, but Brother Peter, shouldn't we have about a hundred churches represented here? God used four leprous men. God used Jonathan and his unnamed armor bearer. That said, hey, would you just come with me? You understand that's what the preacher was up here. Hey, just come and go with me sometime. It may just be. That the Lord works on our behalf. You say, oh, we're going to need a whole lot more than what's here tonight. Hey, why is that? God turned the world upside down with 12 of them. Those that have turned the world upside down. And that's the heathen's description of what took place. Those that have turned the world upside down are now come here. It may be. It may be. You say, how are we going to know? Show up and try. Get up and start walking. And just ask the Lord. And say, Lord, listen, you've put it in our hearts. It may, it's not going to happen. Hey, listen, I found out this. We need to be in the long game. Amen. You're not walking in there tomorrow. Now, listen, I got those that are watching right here tonight. And it, listen, it's getting towards 11 back home in New Hampshire. I hope they're still with us. But listen, I'm praying. You, you never know walking down the hallway. My son announced it on yesterday. He said, Pastor's praying. He gets to pass Gavin Newsom in the hallway. It may be. It may be. I walked up to a man on a debate stage. Donald J. Trump standing there. I said, I'm Peter Chamberlain. I'm a pastor here in Concord, New Hampshire. And I want to give you a gospel track. I said, if you read that, tell you about Jesus. He said, Pastor, I appreciate that. I'm going to read that. I'm not taking credit for it, but he said afterwards he got saved. He hasn't started tithing yet. I know he's got money to go somewhere else right now. It may be. It may be. Who can tell? Four leprous men God used to be able to deliver that city. You know, it may be that God will just choose you when you just can't sit by any longer. God, I've, I've been silent too long. I've sat on the sidelines. I didn't think this was necessary, but I've got to try to do something. I wonder if God would just have us get up and start walking. Say, God, would you do something? Would you do something? Well, I'm praying God will get in the hearts of some young men, some young young ladies who just get it settled in their hearts. You know something? We're just going to... We're just going to walk forward for God, and it it just may be. And God brought a great victory in 1 Samuel 14 also for Jonathan and his armor bearer. Before the fight even started, they had the confidence, come on, God's delivered them into our hands. I mean, can you imagine going to battle? I mean, with already knowing the outcome, and the victory's yours. Seems like I've read that somewhere in the Bible. Hey, we just get to go in knowing that we win. He wins. We're on his side. And I want to encourage you tonight. Would you get it in your hearts that you just can't sit by any longer? You can't just sit on the sidelines. If we sit here, we're going to die. They're closing in around us. At least let's do something. And I wonder tonight if you'd stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed this evening. I'm going to ask our pianist to make your way to the piano. And I wonder this, I wonder if there'd be a group 
And who are the few that would say, we just can't sit by any longer. We just can't sit by. We're going to get up and start walking. And it may be. As God's not restrained to save by a few or by many. And it may just be. God chooses to use you. To be able to reach that one. As our sister's playing. Listen, this altar's open. How long has it been? Here we are. Hey, listen, how long has it been since you cried out to God? God, give me Sacramento. God, give me California. God, help me. God, may I do all that I can. You say, Pastor, I'm getting frail. I'm getting tired. I'm getting wore down. Four leprous men that just said we just, we just can't sit here. We got to do something. Maybe you're already involved and it needs to be praying, saying, God, would you give strength? Give strength to continue on. Pray for that assembly person. Pray for that senator. Pray for that governor. I don't walk into my state house and say, hey, you need to change this policy. Now listen, I'm fighting for the cause of truth and righteousness the same way you are, but I want to see God change hearts. And when God changes hearts, guess what? The other stuff's going to change too. When you just can't sit by. When you're just saying, hey, and you can apply this wherever you want to. You see our young people across our nation. You see our churches. You see the despair that's out there. And I pray to God that it put something in our hearts saying, I just can't sit by. I've got to do something. I've got to do something. The depravity, boy, it's bad. It's bad. Men of God are standing up. Doubters are coming out of the woodwork. But there's four lepers. And God used them. And I believe God can use us. I believe that. Thank you, Brother Chamberlain. That was a great, great truth. Amen. You begin to think about that. You know, sometimes you see something like